0: Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F bonds. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Ann. Ann is a second-time podcast guest, and I feel like people hear that a lot, but I'm like, hey, if somebody's been a podcast guest before and they want to come on and share something else, I'm like, come on. <laughs> come on, friends. I know you now. I'm comfortable with this. Uh, so Anne is an artist turned social worker bringing a creative therapy program to the military and refugee communities. This past year, she was nominated for the 2022 military spouse of the year for her efforts in mental health advocacy and success of these programs congratulations on that i did see it and i forgot to say congratulations okay, you know, sometimes you. you're so busy you're just scrolling oh 100% like, yeah i'm going to go back and say something and then you completely forgot so that was the no congratulations <laughs> thank you uh she is a mama bear of two air force spouse dog lover surprisingly introverted and believes that everyone could find creative purpose. Well, Anne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. There's been yeah. a lot that's gone on with you since we last talked. Share us, oh. share, update <laughs> us, tell us about
1: it. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for having me again. I was so pleased to, to hear that I didn't run you off the first time. So that's no, great.
0: It was a um, great episode. They all need to listen if they haven't already.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, so a bunch has happened. Um, you know, just to get kind of bad news first, and then on to the many good news. Um, uh, my mother actually uh, came down with pancreatic cancer, and within five months was gone, um, unfortunately, and that kind of spurred a lot of big life changes for me um, and my family, we went from living in Virginia, we had just PCS'd um, and we were there five months to um, applying for a humanitarian uh, move, finally getting
0: it accepted and moving uh, again. <laughs> just a timeout. Not everybody yeah. is part of the military. PCS oh, right. is military lingo for moving. Go with My bad. <laughs> yes, okay.
1: a government move. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a humanitarian move is actually an option that um, service members have for cases of, say, death in the family when you're like, maybe you might be sole caretaker for a person that's terminally ill, in our case. Um, it's a lengthy application process, um, but once it is um, actually approved, they moved us rather quickly within wow. like a month of approval. Um, so so I, I'm very grateful for that. And now I am actually on the Cape in Massachusetts, which I never thought I would be. You're not
0: far <laughs> from me, I'm in Connecticut. I know. I know you're
1: about two hours I
0: actually did think of that before I sat down oh my gosh Um. yeah (laughs) we will have to meet in person now that COVID has like uh scaled back a little bit (laughs) (laughs)
1: well said (laughs) um i would love to do that yes so that that was kind of a pivotal change for me um i'm also in my last few terms i have two terms left of my um, msw so masters of social work degree online with simmons university and in those last few terms you have a field placement Mm. or a practicum a lot of it's called practicums too um and Uh, a two-year program turned into four because it's military life and with practicums and field placements they really like you to be in one place at least my school for three terms so that's why it's been finally a long time coming but I see the the light at the end of the tunnel which is in October I will officially have my MSW so exciting. <laughs> um, and I would really like to talk about uh, the current refugee population. Um, my placement with the International Rescue Committee out of Dallas, Texas, um, it's a remote placement, but I, I feel very involved um, clearly on a daily basis with um, specifically the Afghan refugees. Uh, my job as an intern is really to offer mental health services, to help um, offer groups. And I have a supervisor who really encouraged me to take the circle sessions class that I have for military, first responders, veteran families, and morph that into a group pilot study type program. So that's, that's exciting. what's happened. Yes. <laughs> that's a lot, but that's what's happened. Yeah, it's know, very exciting.
0: As somebody in grad school as well, like, you, and people can't see you, but your face is all lit up. And that's how I feel when I talk about like mental health stigma, cause that's my research interest. And I like get totally geek and start geeking out and like, Oh my gosh, let me tell you how this is. And like, look at this thing I learned. And so I can see that on your face that you feel the same way about this. And I would love to hear about this program and how mm-hmm. you have like, why it's important that refugees um have access to this and how mm-hmm. that's helping them because man one my heart breaks um mm-hmm. for all the re- for the afghan refugees who are like fleeing their home because you know now it's under a, mm-hmm. a really violent regime and mm-hmm. then now we have the ukrainians who are also mm-hmm. fleeing their home because a violent regime is <laughs> trying to take over it's just wild but like yeah and and you know We've seen lately. I'm just going to add this little plug. Um, it's not a plug, but um, a little uh, Megan rant in here. We've seen lately that people are um, reacting reacting to Ukrainian refugees in a very different way than they
1: did Absolutely Afghan they refugees. Are.
0: They were, mm-hmm. They're very welcoming. And there have been some racist remarks mm-hmm. on like from leaders in other countries and oh, you know yes. on the news where they're like, mm-hmm. these are people with light skin and blonde hair and blue eyes. And these are people like us. And I'm just like, oh my God, y'all just said the quiet yes. part out loud. So Afghan refugees are treated differently. And um, I've even seen the comments under my governor's post I you know thinking like back when the Afghan refugees were coming to Connecticut and how Mm -hmm. people were talking about that and now that he's saying like if Ukrainian refugees need to come here we'd welcome them the comments are completely different so I just wanted to add that in there because like this that I feel like that racism and that xenophobia adds a whole other layer of you know struggle to Afghan refugees
1: Absolutely. And, and I have a certain kinship, which I think a lot of military members have to the Afghan refugees coming over. They have served us, the majority of people I'm assigned to, because I am a military spouse, are those coming over that have served at the embassies, translators. Mm-hmm. And they were promised a certain status when they came over for the invaluable work that they put, you know, years of their life into, mm-hmm. just like much of us. Um, and unfortunately, upon arrival, their status isn't necessarily what they were promised. And that has a drastic impact on where their life goes in the future. So it's it's an impact of, yes, you can stay here, or within a year, if you don't have your paperwork or things processed in time, you will, may be deported. and. The reason why the paperwork isn't being processed is not from lack of trying or intellect or education level, it's because the immigration courts are so backlogged from mm-hmm. just because it was such a quick pullout and such an influx. Um, I know that at least with our office, we saw the amount of families that they normally see within the entire year in one month, just wow. to give a, a, a back, uh, you know, overarching. <laughs> scope of things and i think i really appreciate you bringing up the the point you mentioned before because a lot of i i deal with afghan refugees on a daily basis and Mm -hmm. a lot of them are angry because they notice the difference and they're like well we actually helped you guys though like we were actually over there we actually helped you guys um and i think it's really important to state too that a refugee is not um the color of your skin it's a situation that caused you to leave or flee because of persecution and it it ha- it's it has the opportunity in this world to unite us but unfortunately that's not the reality of the mm-hmm. situation and I think it's bringing up and putting into light a lot of these difficult topics that we for whatever reason have shifted in the media the media to me is very black and white very um you know bipolar for lack of a better word (laughs) um and you're like
0: you me (laughs) well me
1: too (laughs) i know we have that common bond so that's why i did that um but You know it's very binary and that's not the case whatsoever we're seeing that it's not just um you know darker skin or brown people it can be anyone yeah um tomorrow something could happen in our country that would cause our people to flee to other you know who knows and we would be considered a refugee even with my blonde hair blue eyes so i think it's showing the uglier side of humanity and there's also this um this Im- important opportunity to speak about it to sit in the uncomfortability to be transparent and admit hey yes i'm angered too i want you to and that's kind of my job um is to create this holding space for whatever they might be feeling um so that we can support them or i can support them with whatever means that i can and right now what i can do is i can listen i can create a safe space, and i can agree with them Mm -hmm. because i don't think they get a lot of agreement or a lot of like stop and listen it's very much the process can take years to become a refugee to be resettled it's a lot of paperwork it's a lot of time um and so yeah that that's what i can give and i can um with the art classes give a just a relief from the caseload, from the casework, from what they've been through. Um, and it's very exciting, too. I've had two classes so far. Um, there's a wait list. So we're going to wow. hopefully expand to more. And yes, it's very exciting mm-hmm. for me. because With the military, uh, when I attempted to do this on bases, um, it was a lot difficult because it's the government yeah. and mm-hmm. it's uh, mental health and it's creative therapy. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah and i think what the biggest thing i want to say um, especially for those within the military community um as well as civilians actually now that i i think about it is that we are so similar as human beings
0: mm-hmm.
1: we we might not have been through the same level of just awful situations and we know what it feels like everyone has felt invalidated at one point as mm-hmm. military spouses, we don't we know what it's like to have the government control our every movement and shuffle us around the country, which is what these people experience only they're coming from overseas and, and all right. around um, to mm-hmm. a new country that they don't have you know, they've yeah. never been to. And, and then on top of that, you put this like these statuses that directly affect their families. Um, and I, I'm very grateful for this placement, because before I had never thought of immigration as a as a means that I would want to go into it just not it wasn't that I wasn't interested, it just was just not something in my scope um, that I had thought of. And now, every time I, I speak, or I I listen or I offer what I can to whoever's in front of me, I can say, I know what it's like to have loved ones that are in horrible places that you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I can say, I know what it's like to be a mother. I know what it's like to to be looked at differently because of something you can't control. For me, it's my, the mental health and the diagnosis that I I have every day, and yep. I struggle with every day. Um, I know what it's like for the government to to almost make you feel invisible at times, which has been my experience on and like off a body this, yeah. Like just like a just, body, <laughs> just a body, just like someone who's silent and and supportive and blah blah blah. You know that whole thing. Yeah. So if anyone listening can get anything out of this is that we can all be refugees at some point that there is a kinship and and a common humanity that we have and we can either choose as a country to honor what we promised and to to take a stand in the world against much like we're saying about the ukraine we can do the same thing Mm -hmm. or we can allow say the media or or those that might not have the best intentions to control how we view things because i don't think people realize how what is on the news is not necessary it's what it's what the someone wants you to hear right and we, yeah. we talk about this in school all the time is like how we're socialized is heavily dependent especially now on media technology um you know fake news or whatever, yeah. whatever you you know have you and, i think it's very important to think globally but act locally like what can i do in this place that i'm at right now uh, that can better the situation and right now what i can do is listen what i can do is offer our free services what I can do is help connect people to whatever they you know, is a stressor at the time, and I can offer a kinship. And, and right now, it's a women's group. So the first pilot is a women's group, and I can offer that relief and that co- and foster camaraderie, um, which is the whole point of <laughs> this this new. Um, we call it stress management, and it's really interesting because um, in certain languages, there's no words for emotions let alone mental health <laughs> yeah. let alone the high stigma that comes with it so it's really interesting to dive deep into culturally um, confident and humble ways of offering services without the language which is why the art program is such a big deal right now for me is that i see this fitting and support in this area and this population that doesn't have a common language with us and the potential that we can like bring communities together we can you know foster what we all need which is we need each other yeah. to survive to function whether we like it or not we all have a common bond we all need each other and if i can you know create just a brief like relief from their situations then i have done my job and each time I see a certain, you know, we observe and it's not just like an art class, it's definitely like more clinically based and it's the the shift that you can see that without even speaking, without even knowing what some women are saying is just incredible. Um, so that's, yeah. that's, that's it.
0: <laughs> that. well, that's <laughs> not it we have 20 more minutes um, I know. <laughs> but a few quick things I wanted to mention um, yep. is I'm not surprised that as a military spouse that so they would choose you um we have a um we have someone that we both know Amanda Huffman who when this mm. all you know Amanda right Huffman I think I'm I airman so. to mom she was oh the, she, yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so Amanda is also a previous podcast guest and I will link up her in the, uh, her episode in the show notes, but she served um overseas. And mm-hmm. she had posted when this all went down that she had kept in touch with the interpreter that uh, mm-hmm. or translator that helped um them when they, they were over there and she hadn't heard from them in multiple days and she didn't know what was going oh. on. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah it like, mm-hmm. broke my heart like mm-hmm. because so many people in the united states are othering that's what we call it um in mm-hmm. social psychology othering afghan refugees and like you said not even realizing the kind of help that they gave our mm-hmm. our military members and putting their like their lives on the line like these mm-hmm. people people were being targeted um Absolutely. like after we pulled out because They like you know, they knew that these individuals had helped. That's why we Mm -hmm. needed to get them out because they Mm -hmm. were a target. I mean, not to mention the horrible shit that you know is going down over there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Amanda had mentioned that she hadn't heard from them. Thankfully, she did, she did finally, but it was like heartbreaking to read that. Like she had kept in touch with this person because it meant so much to her. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like the military members who served like over there, they had a different perspective about Afghan refugees.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and so I'm not really surprised that they they asked you as a military spouse to head this up. And another mm-hmm. thing I wanted to mention, we talked about the backup in the immigration system. It's broken anyways, it's, it's been oh, broken. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, we had um, Anna on, I can't remember Anna's last name, but I'll link her episode two. And she talked about the immigration system. And as somebody who's from Australia, married an American military member, it still took her years to become a citizen, years, and so many Mm -hmm. loopholes and everything, Mm -hmm. because it's such a broken system, and it is so backed up, and now we have all these refugees that are coming from many different places, and um, it's heartbreaking to hear that they literally could be deported, not because it's their Mm -hmm. fault, but because our Mm -hmm. immigration system is so broken.
1: Right, and and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, political agendas. Um, a lot of that has to do with, like you said, honestly, racism, You know, whatever you wanna call it. And I think that if we really wanted to help the people that could, would do so. Um, I, I feel like we have an obligation to these people who while they were over there, and doing everything they were doing it was the same similar situation their lives were on their of the line their families lives were on the line just like us just like we do when you know our person deploys or, or goes and does whatever they have to do and it's it is unlawful and quite frankly against human rights in my opinion to deport someone that helped us that was promised certain things simply because the paperwork isn't processed at the correct time. I think, and I, I know it's there's similar situations in the military world where just because paperwork such as orders, such as housing, such, you know, anything like that, if just because the paperwork doesn't move fast enough, it affects you directly. Well, on this level, it. They, it's literally could be like a death sentence, you know? So it's, and again, every case is different. Everyone has, you know, how, whatever is going on um, and, and has been through this process. I just call on, on someone to just make right what we promised Yeah. and do the next right thing, right? right? Do the next right thing. And whatever that is for whoever, like for me, Like I said, while I'm here, I can sit in discomfort with them. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: can agree with them, you know, and I can offer what I can offer. And a lot of times that's dealing with, you know, traumatized population clearly that, you know, is is trying to get benefits just to feed, say, their babies or just to feed certain things. And it's very difficult. And I am in a place that I can provide that space for them. So for me, it's a really kind of a sacred work at this point um, to just help the world in my small way, and um, I just hope that you know little flames can ignite a huge fire, right? And mm-hmm. and. I think that there are a lot of people that see what we're talking about, that have offered the help, that are making organizations for the specific population, um, especially within our community. I can think of a few um, right now. And that's what this world means. We need to see the goodness. We need to see more of that because there is such overwhelming bad right now Mm -hmm. and so many things out of our control especially the tension within our military community of, you know, being in this limbo of what's going to happen, you know, something can come down the line next day and then it'll completely shift. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, it just goes against, you know, I think humanity to, to put that extra pressure um, on people who are already traumatized, who have been like basically carted around the world have been through this lengthy process just to get to resettlement um and then to not even have the status that can keep them here um you know it, it, is, it is heartbreaking because yeah. at, at times all i can say is i agree with you i can't help with that and this is what i can do for you you know and that's a huge lesson i think is really great about practicums and field placements is that you you start to build up and figure out, okay, what are my mental boundaries? What what can I do today? What can I do to help myself so that I can help other people? Um, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity um, to serve these in my experience and even just virtually, they are incredible human beings, like <laughs> the, the people I've dealt with. And, um, you know, I, I think We need to focus more on that as opposed to like what I think people want us to focus on, which is the turmoil and and everything. And I'm not saying not think of it ever because we have to, but, um, be the change in your little world,
0: whatever that is. Yeah. So, um, people might be wondering because Mm -hmm. you're working with individuals who are from a different country may Mm -hmm. or may not speak English. And if they do speak Mm -hmm. English, it may be very broken English. How do you manage to communicate um, in in this space with an individual who may not um, understand or completely understand what you're trying to say? How do you bridge that gap? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, so we have interpreters. We have um, cultural brokers. Is another term that we have um, at the organization I'm at the agency, um, and it's it's basically having them on the line with me, and then trial and error to a point where you try to to say something a certain way so um in the western world you know we speak very quickly Um, (laughs) you know there's it's a complex language almost not to say that it's not over there but but compared to like the translation of our languages can be very complex
0: yeah (laughs) so it's a a
1: lot of learning to slow down use simple verbiage that i understand now like okay say i have a dari speaker this is the verbiage I can use that I know will best, you know, kind of translate yeah. or say Pashto. So, Dari and Pashto are the two languages I deal mostly with. Um, and I think the biggest thing you can do is research yourself about this culture that you're dealing with, this population. Ask the community, ask the community questions, be interested, um, you know, just talk to people from that community. Like, I, for a while, I didn't even schedule an interpreter for my calls. I scheduled an interpreter to just talk to and ask questions, say, okay, well, how did you, how did you come to this work? Like, tell me your story. And what was something you love to do over there? Or with this art, um, art class, this stress management class, like, okay, this is what I'm thinking, but are there any red flags for you? This is my Western way of thinking. I've tried to adapt it, but what do you think? What, what can you help me with? And I think that's part of not only um, just being interested and valuing where they come from, um, it's the whole cultural humility, cultural competency that we're ethically, you know, made to do our due diligence with. Um, so for me, my process, and it looks different for everyone. <laughs> that works, yeah. But my process is a lot of research. It's a lot of evidence-based, you know, studies like going through that uh, And then it's talking with people from that community Mm -hmm. and and different people, you know, because there's never one voice to a group in a population. And I think that is something that you have to be aware of, is that just because one person might have an experience or be in a population that's like a hot topic right now, we need to avoid the one voice narrative because... Mm -hmm just like we're all different they're all different too and it's yeah. so easy to kind of lump it in together even unintentionally and then like you know offend or whatever and i think also being open to possibly something not working or you know translated wrong or it's difficult like i believe it was dari it was hard to find verbiage for emotions So I'm over here like, okay, how do I get them to express emotions through art and like somatic symptoms, which is the highest mental health thing for refugees for trauma in -hmm. general. And for myself, Mm -hmm. Um, how do I, how do I, I, you know, create this program in a way that everyone in the room can understand on some level and then start to communicate and, um, I think the research I did and the the, the way I approached it and the the value I placed on you know just just being open, saying, you know, I don't know. And it's okay to not know. And saying, okay, I I don't know this, but I have access to, you know, say the internet. Yeah. And then I have access to cultural brokers. And then I have access to women that are, are in my class. So when at every touch point that I have it's an opportunity to build rapport and also just to learn and be open to learning. And the more that I learn about the culture and learn about the religion, there's so many similarities. And I think a lot of problems would be solved if we just admit, you know, I really don't know. Or I might have offended you because of my, say, in Western world of thinking, what can I do to be better? Or or what mm-hmm. can I Because colors mean different things. And, and you know, so. Yeah. You don't want to use certain colors because they convey certain things, in, in the culture, so it's um, it's kind of that that process, and it's it's like ebbs and flows, and you know you make mistakes, you learn from them, you pivot, uh, all of that, and um, the biggest thing though is talk to the people that you want to serve, listen to the people you want to serve. Admit when you're wrong admit when you don't know ask for opinions because it enriches the experience and um, that's kind of how I came about this and there's always interpreters in the classes Um, other women know several Some know like eight different languages are highly educated like it's incredible it's absolutely incredible and a lot of. um, the people coming over that I deal with because they were at the embassy they I had a assistant governor of her her town like come in and I've had so there's such a wide range of people and it's that one voice narrative that I think it's replayed to us on our social medias and it's not the case you know Mm -hmm. and and it divides us when really we are more more similar I think than we realize at times so I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah.
0: I um Back, like, again, my interest is social psychology, stigma, mm-hmm. you know, prejudice, in-groups, out-groups, mm-hmm. you know, those mm-hmm. sort of things. And when we talk about out-groups, we are focusing on how people are different than us, right? That's why they're right. the out-group. Our in-group right. are the people who are similar to us. And this could mm-hmm. be, you could have multiple in-groups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, This is not just one thing. It might be like, in-group, I'm white in group, I'm female, in group, I'm a, I'm a, I consider myself a progressive. So those are groups that I belong to. Those are identities that I have, um, where the out group might be people who don't identify as that. Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we focus on differences just to see out groups, but one of the ways in social psychology that we cannot see an out group as a threat is to actually get to know them. Right to exactly. uh, contact is huge for stigma and you know mm-hmm. um being from a different country having a different c- skin color can be a stigmatizing identity um, like you know intersectionality we could go on about mm-hmm. this but yeah getting mm-hmm. contacts um is a huge way for people to shift perspective and not see out groups as a threat right exactly. but it can't just be one person like, like as you said right. like everybody is different like one group of people they don't all think the same. Um, Mm -hmm. So having contact with multiple individuals. So you can shift your perspective and see like, Oh, that one individual is not the exception to the rule. You know, Mm -hmm. I have been seeing these differences instead of seeing like, Oh, these individuals are very similar to me. Like Mm -hmm. they have a lot more in common with me than I realize. And right. I think, um, you sharing what you've shared is really important and, you know, um, not to toot my own horn, but, um, what I do on the podcast is, um, very, uh, similar because, um, it helps see the humanity in people who may not be mm-hmm. the same as us, um, may have different experiences and That's stories. Right. You know, we mm-hmm. have talked about addiction before on the podcast, mm-hmm. which is highly stigmatized, but you hear mm-hmm. multiple stories and you see like oh, wow. These, this is not like this, this monolith of people. Like these are people just like me who just happened to have addiction. Like, you know, so I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to bring it back around what you are saying about Mm -hmm. focusing on the similarities and how you're seeing like, holy moly, there's a lot more we have in common than we have different.
1: Right, and and I want to make an important distinction. It's not to say that differences should be ignored Yes. or devalued i think it, it differences are what makes something so much richer it makes everything really like art music tv television yes. books all of that it's differences are amazing and and it's important to acknowledge the differences and i'm not saying to just like be like oh we're all the same or right. like we're uncolored but it's a colorblind thing you know <laughs> don't no. do that you know what i mean <laughs> do not yeah. do that like it and and because in doing that, you're invalidating the obvious thing, which is we are different, right? Yeah. But that's that can either divide us or make things richer. And it, it's an outlook that you have going into this work, going into clinical work, especially for me, it's like, okay, here are the differences. Here's what I'm acknowledging about myself. You know, Here's the culture that I understand, like patriarchal, blah, 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 that I'm working with now over here is, similarities and like kind of weaving in and out like okay where can I hit touch points where can I with art it's a visual language some mm-hmm. some women in the classes haven't even held a pen or a crayon or, or even even know what some things are and others are like oh yeah I'll just start going you know going at it so it's a very drastic kind of uh space so like best thing to do is figure out okay what works what doesn't how can we say have someone that maybe not is not educated didn't have access to education didn't have access to like writing or, or literacy but then on this end we have someone who you know was in the city and that is highly educated and, and yeah. brings so much to the group and what i see in these groups mm-hmm. is that you know, through the tragedy that comes in the door and the the stories that we hear, because there's that dynamic, you learn from each other, you see, Mm. like, the hope, you see, like, oh, I can, here, I can have a job, here, I can do this, or here, you know, and, and it's an opportunity for even the women coming in to see, like, the, what, what this world can offer and and what what we can do, um, at least in this small um, 90 minute class. Uh, And it's pretty incredible. And I think it's a lesson for all of us, um, you know, to acknowledge differences, say, yeah, we're different. Um, But how do do we coexist in a way that enriches our environment as opposed to just tears everything down?
0: Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I'm really, I'm really glad, um, because it did, it, it definitely could have been construed as like, let's ignore differences, which if we ignore mm-hmm. differences, we devalue their personal mm-hmm. struggle, right? You brought up colorblind. If you cannot see somebody's and acknowledge somebody's color, then you mm-hmm. cannot acknowledge the struggles they have because of the sculpt exactly. color of their skin. Um, but do you also like where I was coming from is people not seeing those differences as a threat, right? Exactly. Because that's the problem. You're othering people when you see them as a threat, consciously or subconsciously. I'll have people on Uh, my social media who are like, "Um, I support LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. But then like a couple posts later will say something that I'm like, you don't even realize that you you don't support in the way you think you do because you have these unconscious biases. Or they'll say something. I love it when somebody says something and, and they're conversing with me and they say something about gay people. And I'm like, I'm gay. And they're like, but you're married to a man. And I was like, and I like women too. So like, (laughs) I'm not straight.
1: Well, right. Exactly. And, 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 you know, and I wasn't, you know, devaluing what you said. Oh no, I didn't take it as
0: that. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, no, I I just think it's important because it is very easy even with myself to do that. Because whether we like it or not, the way that we were raised and the environment that we raised has has conditioned us and socialized us to have Mm. certain biases that we don't even realize what we're saying. And Mm. I think once we are mindful, like, Oh, do I have is this a possibility? Yeah, Uh, which it is. Um, exploring that and that was big for me you know and and really looking at myself as okay what are my in groups identities you know how was i raised like where did my family come from where were where were we you know what what did we believe and then kind of really diving down and being like okay is what I'm saying what I have been conditioned to believe Mm -hmm. or is it what I actually believe or that I'm actually and that growth and just that thought process of being mindful and and really kind of trying to figure things out that's where that like really painful growth begins and and that and people don't want to feel pain. And I understand that, you know, but in order to grow in order to to grow, especially in the world as it is, and as it's going ever changing ever diversifying, you know, we, we need, we owe it to the past to do the due diligence in our lives with the resources that we have available at our fingertips to at least be like, you know what, I might not, you know, agree with what you're saying but I, I could understand it, or I'm going to research it, or, or, okay, I don't know about this, but I'm going to put in my time <laughs> to try yeah. and figure it out. And I feel like that's all it is, is. It's hard to admit we don't know. It's hard to admit that we're wrong. It's hard to admit that, you know, maybe I did say something that wasn't, you know, that really seriously hurt you, yeah. you know, and I think. Learn and that's a, and I'm still learning in that it's very oh, hard to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and any growth there's that uncomfortability um, and I think it's a skill I think it's something that has to be worked at and especially it's, it's especially hard when there's all of these these stressors like we had a pandemic now we have Af- you know the Afghan refugee situation now we have another um, you know Ukraine war possibility so like. There's a lot of this umbrella of pressure on us right now. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to even fathom, at least for me, even fathom putting the work in. And that's why I stress, like, be be at a place where you are, you feel comfortable or you feel open because otherwise, you know, it's just not going to be as fruitful. And if anything, it might just discourage you. So if I had any advice, it would be be in that place. If you feel open, just cool something. Yeah, we have that ability, right? And most of us, and if not like ask someone or or start conversations, you know? Um, so
0: it's, it's all about, okay. Listening, recognizing somebody else's pain, being willing Mm. to go inside yourself and say like, I may be wrong and I don't mm-hmm. have the right to devalue somebody else's story. I don't have the right to say, no, that's not a thing because that's their yeah. experience. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people's ex- experiences are distorted and, mm-hmm. you know, like white, white people saying they have experienced racism, <laughs> like, but you have to like, at least listen And at least, you know, understand that is their story. That is their version of what happened and being able to like, you know, look inside yourself and say, is there something I need to learn or I should learn about Mm -hmm. this? Because like you said, there's so many things that we were brought up that, you know, I had to personally look at myself and go, holy crap. I was brought up with some bigoted bullshit. (laughs)
1: Right, right, (laughs) right. Um, and unfortunately, it took me going to grad school to have any kind of like, you know, inkling towards this. So I'm on here. I'm not calling myself an expert. I'm just sharing yeah. my personal experience. Right. But it, it is almost insidious how it took me to grad school mm-hmm. to really like be like, wait a minute. Because of how conditioned you know that you can be. Um, with, with even well intentions, like we're just right. trying to do the best with what we have. Everyone you know is just trying their best and, and I get that. And you know, and I think it's it's okay to disagree with someone. I feel like we've lost this you know, gray area. We've lost this kind of um, instead of black or white or oh, you disagree with me, so like you're a horrible person. like no. Right there's all of this bandwidth in between, like what happened to having conversations where, okay, we have two opposing views, but we can still sit and have a conversation, you know, and have that happen. And that, that is where, you know, the learning and the process begins. And I think there's such an effort to take that away from us right now Mm -hmm. um, and divide us right now that it's easier to just not. And I get that, you know, I get that. Um, I just think being mindful, at least mindful, at the very least, um, is a is a good direction to go in. And a lot of times, especially, so I've in my pre the previous episode, I talked about bipolar depression and and my my journey with that. So I I have that. I am now experiencing grief. I experienced, you know, the ambiguous loss of mom. I was caretaker, primary caretaker with her, um, and it happened so quickly. And I can tell you that the depression and the, the, the pain and this like weight is completely different than what I am used to on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It is a completely different thing. And a lot of times I feel like um, people may say things that simply because they don't know. And I'm glad you don't know. I would never want you to know what I'm going through at yeah. all. Um, but are you saying like, take a take a breath with anything am I about to say something because I genuinely want to like be there for the person in front of me or am I saying something because of the uncomfortability I heard Mm. like I feel and I want to you know just say something I heard that might help um and and that was really like a a game changer for me through this grief experience because there are times where I've said things to people grieving and I'm just like wow (laughs) like I can't believe I said that you know because now that I'm living it 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 can be so just gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching to feel invalidated or not seen. And especially with grief, unfortunately, until you experience it, you don't. So it's a very difficult thing to express. And I think the same thing with like what we're talking about now is like pause. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What am I, is what I'm saying helpful or because I'm uncomfortable? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you know, that's something that has changed how I move about my world and how how I speak, especially with my clients. Um, Just taking a breath, you know, Um, and I think you might be surprised at how your thoughts go or what, how your conversations go when you just take that extra second to like assess yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, and I want to thank you one for coming on the podcast, but I also, Mm -hmm. uh, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with before we wrap this up?
1: Um, We all have creative purpose. That's kind of my... My tagline, right? We all have creative purpose. It's finding what we can do with that creativity that we all have. Um, I think it's important to, especially now with world events, you know, just educate yourself. Be open to change. Be open to not knowing. Be open to being wrong. Work on being uncomfortable. Like when you're uncomfortable, you are growing, whether whether or not you might realize it. So I, I, hope that I could inspire even just one person, you know, to, to really stop and think or, or act or do something, uh, for your community that, that will better this world because we all need that right now, whatever it is, it's not small, small things can mean so big for people and you might not even realize it. So,
0: well, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Yes. Thank you for having
0: me. It's always fun.